0: Have you ever thought that the beauty industry could be more inclusive or diverse? Do you actually have specific products that you take on vacation, or what do you actually bring with you when you travel? Lastly, do you find it easy to shop for hair beauty products in the beauty aisle in your Target, Monoprix, or wherever it is that you are listening? Well, today's topic is one of my favorites, and we're going to find out just exactly that, so stay tuned. Hola, hello everybody, and welcome to the Pretty Sure Podcast, the podcast where we talk about life, love, travel, business, and everything in between. Life tends to get messy sometimes, and nobody really taught us how to live it. With your new best friend, confidant, and host, yours truly, Sabrina. I will always have your back, and it is my mission that you never feel alone again because I'm always here. So, fasten your seatbelts because the ride is about to get really bumpy. Welcome to season two. It Let's go! Welcome back, guys! I hope everyone is having a great time whenever this is released. I'm currently in really crappy weather. It's supposed to be summer still, but it is raining. But never mind. Like I was mentioning in the hook, today's topic is one of my personal favorites. We're going to be talking about beauty. But from kind of like a business and creation perspective, because today's guest is actually a beauty product, beauty brand, whatever you would like to call it, creator. And it's a really special brand because I feel like it has a great purpose in the market nowadays. I can especially see people like my mom who have mixed hair using it and people that can't really find their skin color or hair type products in the supermarket aisle, Target, or whatever it is. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Orion Brown, who is the founder of Black Travel Box, and she's going to tell us all about her story, her journey, and her business. So welcome, Orion. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Sabrina. It is such a pleasure to speak to like-minded people and also beauty creators. Like what? I love that. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and then we're going to dive into all the fabulous questions that I have for you.
1: Sure. Uh, I'm a Chicago native, currently living in Denver, Colorado. Um, I started Black Travel Box technically three years ago. It was our birthday last week. Um, Oh, congrats. (laughs) Thank you. But as as is tradition, you know, a woman never tells her age. So for most (laughs) people that know us, they know us to be about a year, year and a half old. Because um, we launched uh, a, w- a little bit after I actually had um, started the company. And yeah, I my background's in brand management. I've had probably nine different lives when it comes to career. And wow. I really got to a place where I wanted to get my hands back into a brand and into a business and saw a need. I'm a passionate traveler and um, kind of went from there. So that's me. That is amazing. So first question for you. Did you always know you wanted
0: to start a business or was it just something that kind of happened to you? Because you said you have like nine lives, different careers. So what was a little bit of that situation happening?
1: Um, So I'm not going to give you, I think, the typical story. I feel like every entrepreneur I hear says like they came out of the womb selling stuff, right? Like it's like, oh, I had a lemonade stand when I was one and a half. And then I went on to like sell baseball cards and made my first million by the time I was 16. Um, <laughs> that's not my story at all. I was quite happy with the umbrella of a biweekly paycheck and a good health insurance and, <laughs> and like living that kind of corporate life in that regard. Um, yeah. But really, for me, Black Travel Box and becoming an entrepreneur was a culmination of two things. One, as I mentioned, you know, just really kind of missing having my hands in a brand and in a business. I had done it in the food sector um, in a corporate way for, for almost a decade and had gotten away from that and gotten into some other areas and tech and things and just really kind of missed that. But by the same token, you know, it's, it's 2020 now, but at the time it was like 2018 and in the United States and I'm a black woman coming in through the corporate sector, I'd spent 15 years in corporate, and I was just exhausted. Um, I was just really, really exhausted by the the culture, the politics. Um, I loved my work, but was just like, yeah, you know what, this corporate life isn't for me anymore. And so mm-hmm. those two things sort of culminated at the same time where I had this passion project that I was kind of working on, and, you know, made sort of the decision to go ahead and step away from corporate for a bit. And I was like, "Well, you know, <laughs> this is perfect timing. I guess I can work on this bit, this business, this fashion project that I've been doing." So yeah, it, was really, <laughs> it was really more coincidental happenstance as opposed to like mm-hmm. for new design.
0: I feel like a lot of people that are going to be listening to this can relate to the corporate situation. I especially um, relate to that because that was one of my struggles as well. Um, I was like. There's so many men here, there's like so many political, there's so many levels, like even if our women-led team decides something, it still has to go through like five filters, so I totally relate with you for being like tiring and all of those things. But so proud of you for starting Black Travel Box, so on that note, tell us and tell the audience what exactly it is and how it started. So kind of like the story behind Black Travel Box.
1: Black Travel Box is a, a personal care products company and, and a lifestyle pro- company. I would say for travelers of color. So everything that we make is in forms and formats that's meant to actually travel well, get you through TSA, and are made with more unique hair and skincare needs in mind. So it's a really inclusive brand, and, and we see inclusive brands popping up, particularly in cosmetics. You know, so makeup, mm-hmm. um, but we're not seeing it as much in hair and skincare. Um, you know, I created black travel box out of my own frustration. I had been to like 16 countries and I was on a trip actually to Japan and didn't really like, was so comfortable with travel at this point that I sort of took for granted, like checking the weather and being super anal about every place. And it was like, May, and I'm like, we're going to be in Tokyo. We're going to be in Kyoto. It'll totally be fine. And we decided to hop over to Okinawa to visit some friends. And Okinawa is a whole different climate. Like there's no way to describe. I got on a plane in like D.C. weather and then 30 minutes later got off a plane and it was like Barbados in the middle of July. And I was like, what just happened? So I immediately frizzed up. My skin was sweaty. My scalp was sweaty. My hair was sweaty. It was just like I was a sweaty mess. And here I am with my little ounce and a half bottles of conditioner to get me through the next 10 days. And I was just like, this is so, this is so much BS. (laughs) I was so mad and I was really frustrated. And so that night, you know, a couple of nights later, actually, I was like, okay, so I can't be in any of my photos because I'm going to look crazy. Um, Oh my God. This is really frustrating. I wish there were things out there. Like I wish I could just pop into a store and know that they would have stuff that would actually work for me or go to a hotel. And be like, oh, I ran out of stuff and just like be able to pick up something that wouldn't ruin my hair or be terrible on my skin. And um, my partner at the time was like, isn't that kind of what you did? Like you made brands, right? So why don't you make this one? And I sat on it because, you know, we all have that little voice that's like, you don't know what you, you, uh -uh, uh-uh. It probably already exists. You just don't even know about it. You just didn't even do any research. So I spent probably the next six months kind of ruminating and passively doing research and got to August of that year and was like, all right, it's time to either, uh, as my aunt would say, piss or get off the pot. (laughs) Are we going to make something out of this or not? Because it doesn't seem like there's anything out there uh, for for travelers like you, for women like you who are on the go and need, need these things. and So I sat down that day and I, I registered the LLC. I was like, I'm not getting up from this couch and says Ellis until this company exists. Uh, Wow. Such a (laughs) go-getter. I was working off of my own, I don't know if it'd be laziness, but just like knowing myself because I had sat on it for so long. I mean, and it was just one of those things that I was like, I know if I register it, I will have Mm -hmm. enough, like sort of like the government knows I exist like, so I have to do something with it, right? Like, I'm gonna have to file paperwork for this. And that was that was exactly the kick in the pants I needed. And I really started off from there. <laughs> That's a great anecdote. So actually, before creating Black
0: Travel Box, what would you do in those situations where you were traveling and you wouldn't find products? Like, would you just compromise? Would you go around town like a mad woman looking at 50,000 different places? Or what was your standard MO if... God forbid, you forgot products. You know,
1: I don't know that I really had too much of a standard because I was a little hit or miss. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, there were definitely times I remember, like, being in Ireland and trying to pop into – you know, the pharmacies there and then realizing, okay, the pharmacies here actually just deal with drugs. Um, they don't have random stuff like ours do. So like trying to find a Tesco or something random, different. Uh, so yeah. That's always an interesting challenge in and of itself, learning how to shop in a place that is foreign, yeah. even if they speak the language, it's still, you know, it can be difficult to kind of like describe what it is that you're trying to get to and what you're looking for. So I've done that. I've done the, you know what? I'm just going to look crazy and enjoy myself. Um, That was particularly frequent when I had dive trips um, because it would be, I'd be oscillating between sunburn and like super dry skin and hair that is super frizzy because, you know, I've been diving and it's been in salt water and doing a whole wash day doesn't make sense. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I've done a little bit of everything. And it was, it was really interesting when I started talking to other women and finding out some of the crazy stuff that they were doing. And when I say crazy, it's, you know, desperation crazy. Right. So it's like, and I just paid $80 and I brought all my full size stuff. Like, <laughs> like, Oh my God, you slept all your stuff. And then it like fills and it's like a whole thing. Or I had yeah. women tell me, and this was the one that really got me where women would tell me multiple women would, you know, I would hear this as a theme. I didn't even know people were doing it. It's Oh, What you do is like you get a ride if you're not like driving or, you know, or you get a rental car so you can get around, but you find the grocery store and then you get coconut oil or grapeseed oil. And then you Mm -hmm. use that to kind of make your product stretch. So like when you really have to look good, the little bit of product that you have, you can use it. And then in between, you're just kind of like touching up with oil. And I'm like, you are not a piece of chicken. Why are you covered in oil? Like, unless you, <laughs> unless you have an allergy, which is a legit thing. Like, I know there's people that have sensitivities. You cannot, and you just, you know, like, can't risk because you don't know what's in stuff. There's no reason that you as a human being shouldn't be able to go to a store and find one product made with you in mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> so um, that kind of put a fire in my belly. And and I've been very passionate about beauty double standards and, and the kind of predication of, like, this idea that there's such a thing as normal skin, normal hair, it's a falsehood. And it, and it not only hurts African-American women or, you know, African diaspora women across the globe, it hurts all women because we're not like women aren't monoliths, you know? Um, and so yeah. the ideal, the ideal doesn't exist, but we're still trying to attain it. And we're still being treated as if we fit into it. And that, that kind of runs my shorts. So black travel box all the way. <laughs> yeah.
0: love that and I definitely can relate not for myself but because I travel with my mom a lot and she has kind of like frizzy hair Mm -hmm. so her go-to actually I was laughing out like in my mind when you were saying the coconut oil Um, my mom whenever we go travel and she knows it's going to be like a tropical place she purposefully goes like the day we're flying out she makes me book a plate like a flight midday or something so she can go to a salon get her hair like straightened, whatever, and then tries to wait like a week. If it's a long trip, she'll wait like four or five days. And then wherever we are, it doesn't matter if she doesn't speak the language, she'll go to a hair salon and be like, please like, do keratin or something on me. And wow. I'm like, that's insane, mom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just, Just the convenience of being able to feel like yourself and experience the place that you're going to rather than being worried about what you look like is I think, you know, a core benefit of, of what I'm trying to do with this brand. Like, so you yeah, don't be sure. running around and booking, you know, like if something happens, like if you like suddenly get tickets to like an amazing show and you want to go like full on, you know, drag glam, wonderful. Go out, find somebody to hook you up, get the makeup done, get the hair done. But for most of us, when we're traveling, whether it be for business or pleasure, we just want to look like ourselves and, yeah. and look happy and nice. And enjoy ourselves and feel like comfortable in our skin. Um, and so that's that's sort of the goal to, to help women feel comfortable in their skin.
0: I love that. And I'm sure you're actually doing a great job with it already. So I would love to talk about what we were talking about, the whole diversity in situations. So what is your take on why there hasn't been such a diversity leap in terms of beauty, hair and
1: skin, not cosmetics, but, you know, like creams
0: and hair products and all of that.
1: Well, I think, you know, I think the first big leap actually began in the late nineties with the natural hair movement, particularly in the black community. Right. So um, I grew up in sort of the generation that that switch happened in And, you know, it was like it was pretty standard. If you've ever seen movies like Good Hair, it was standard to see girls as young as five getting chemicals Mm -hmm. put on their hair to relax their hair and make it straight because of the expectation that it makes you more acceptable in public places, in schools and all of these different, you know, spaces, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, its own problematic thing. And then we started to kind of rebel against that and go, look, like, we we've all lost, all of our edges are gone, <laughs> our hair is broken off. You know, there was a sort of fallacy in the black community that we couldn't grow long hair, and it really wasn't that we couldn't. It was that the products that we were putting on our hair just wasn't particularly healthy, and the way in which we were trying to conform. Um, not to say that there is nothing there is nothing wrong with a good silky blowout and all of that stuff more powerful if you want to wear your hair straight if it's more like convenient but that pressure I think we created a new norm where that pressure to be that kind of went away and that's where Carol's daughter came out of and uh, and a lot of the other brands that are now you know at their 25 year apex and like really really massive they came out of that space of people being like I need to put natural stuff on my head because this is crazy. Um, yeah. there was a study a couple of years ago that they just looked at, you know, products in the quote unquote ethnic aisle. And it's not even just like the relaxers, it's the serums, it's the, you know, shine boosters that had chemicals both not only in the ingredient line, but chemicals that weren't on the even on the ingredient list that they found in the products that were wow. you know just unhealthy uh, hormone disruptors. And those are the types of things that cause fibroids, which I mean, mo- if you ask most black women, at least in the US, if you ask them, like, do you know or, are you know, have you known about somebody in your family or friends that have fibroids? Most of us know several people that we can like name off the top of our heads. Um, wow. And so, yeah, there's been that kind of movement in the hair care space. I think the skincare space. Hasn't quite gotten there. Um, You know, it's one of those things that we're starting to see differences, like brands like Black Girl Sunscreen coming out, Um, Mm -hmm. which again, you know, these things aren't about, it's not about like having our own stuff. It's about filling in the gap in the marketplace, because if you just grab a random bottle of Coppertone and put that on, you're going to come out looking like a, I don't know, a zombie mess. Like, like if, you want to be, <laughs> if you want to be like in a in like World War Z too, then yeah, totally put that on. But otherwise it's terrible. And, and they've been formulated for, you know, lighter skin tones and completely ignored the fact that black people have skin <laughs> and we yeah. would like to protect it, even though it does, you know, as we say, it does not crack until it does. Uh, <laughs> we would like <laughs> to protect our skin as well. And so we're starting to see those changes in the skincare aisle but it's incremental and it's, you know, it's, it's small. All of those still culminate to, if you go to the little travel care section, the travel section is just woefully underrepresented when we talk about products that have uh, inclusive formulations and use cases. And so they're, they're not particularly inclusive. They're not particularly innovative. They're like, let me take a big bottle and put it in a small bottle. You're still having <laughs> yeah. the same issue that the bottle wants to explode. You end up putting like saran wrap around it. There's so many travel hacks to get travel size stuff to work for travel that it's just like, why not make something that works for travel? And then why yeah. not be inclusive? <laughs> Definitely. I honestly don't
0: know why nobody has done this before because it still blows my mind. Like, I'm a fellow traveler like you. And I'm always like, okay, what products am I going to actually take full bottle size and what products can I live with like off samples? Like I purposely go to like Sephora and those stores and I'm like, can you please give me samples of this? And I will save those for when I have a long trip.
1: So I don't have to take my bottle. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, you know, my hypothesis would be that it's expensive for most of these major companies to create truly innovative travel size products. And while the travel size product industry is big and you know it, everybody's like you know purchasing these things and spending hundreds of dollars a year on these items um they're just sort of like you know it's not really worth it to me i'll let them figure it out <laughs> you know cuz it does take some changes from a manufacturing perspective and a lot of different things and they're not making as much money on the tiny versions of stuff so um yeah, yeah. so i you know it's but it's so simple and i think it's an interesting concept that, you know, once everything that we make is made for being used out of home, which is a very different way of looking at it. It's like there's a thousand and one products you probably have under your sink already. But like yeah. is there one of them that when it when they made that, they were like, I need to make this so it's not messy, so it lasts you a long time, <laughs> so it's easy to like put in your bag and so you don't have to have like any fights with TSA. Like Probably not. Yeah. And it's great for the gym too, right? And like so many of our customers are like, oh yeah, I have your body balm. I have one in my car. I have one in my purse. I have one in the desk at work. And then I have stuff in my gym bag. And then I have my go bag. Like for those of us who are like any day, I might just like up and spend the night somewhere or go out and park or want to have a change of clothes or going to the gym. You know, you have that like extra little set of stuff in the trunk of your car. That's you know, that's how they're being used. And, and it's, it's the convenience of not having to schlep a big thing and worry. Yeah, about
0: it. I definitely agree. So you sound like you have a ton of knowledge from like travel and sizing and all of that. My question is, did you know any of this before creating your business? Or was it something that you figured out along the way, let alone the business side, like the actual, I'm going to create beauty products?
1: Yeah, I mean, from a formulation perspective, it was completely new. Um, I'm going to say something that's going to sound kind of dumb, but it's fundamentally true. If you're not making something that's heavily chemical, like un- like harmful, chemically laden, mm-hmm. it's actually pretty easy to make. <laughs> like it's yeah, it, the rocket science comes in when you start using like different polymers isomers versions of different chemicals and all that stuff. And you're trying to make something. And the only reason you do that is because you're trying to make like a bionic woman of a product as cheaply as possible. Right. And, you know, having worked in food, you know, I understood enough about the R and D process and the testing and the types of things. It's actually more robust than frankly cosmetics are. So I had enough knowledge to be dangerous and there's a ton of knowledge in the marketplace. Like, to be honest, the, the cost of entry to to start a skincare brand is pretty low in terms of like, the barriers to entry are pretty low in terms of like, you could start a skincare brand tomorrow, formulating at home, or you could go out to a third party and, and have them formulate for you. For me, it was, I started out with really basic things like the most polarizing items. So Shampoo, conditioner are the two banes of my existence. And seem to be the banes of a lot of women's existence. Um, even the guys were like, Yeah, I don't mess with that. <laughs> like, wow, you don't pay attention. I love it. Um, and and then thinking, okay, well, what's the replacement for the body lotions that are notorious for leaving ashy knuckles and making the skin look worse and feel worse? And so, you know, creating like basic body balms and things like that while the way in which, you know, we make stuff is fairly proprietary. Um, mm-hmm. The ingredients, though, it's like it's shea butter. do you get shea butter soft, you whip it. Like it's so simple. Um, but it's also things that, again, when you look at these big manufacturers, they won't do because they're used to taking the same lotion formula and changing the scent and putting a label on it. And that's sort of how the industry works. You're get, you're buying the same thing with like 15 different labels on it. And branding yeah. and scents and maybe colors will give you the notion that it's different when it really isn't.
0: I definitely agree with you on that. Having worked on that side before product development, when I found the same thing out, I was like, this is mental. Like, why? How?
1: <laughs> Wait, I have to tell you. So I worked on Crystal Light. And this is psychologically – it it's – It's a psychological truth. It's not a physical truth. in the Mm -hmm. sense that on Crystal Light, and I think this is true for Country Time and probably other similar beverages, lemonade and pink lemonade, people are divided, like seriously divided on which one is their favorite. Like if you Mm -hmm. love yellow lemonade or you love pink lemonade. And the only difference is the color. It is literally the coloring that they use in the powder. No, you're kidding there's no flavor difference. But your but brain they do it different. Well, it's but your brain experiences Now, raspberry lemonade is a thing, strawberry lemonade, those have different flavors in it, but pink, if it says pink lemonade, they're telling you exactly what it is. It's is lemonade, but it's pink. <laughs> My mind is blown. And it's it's really funny, but we all have sort of those psychological associations. So maybe your mom made you pink lemonade and it was a fun treat. And so now mm-hmm. you assume like you you know, you just kind of associate like pink lemonade is the best lemonade. It tastes better. And you have all of these associations with it. And that's how brands um, sort of leverage your emotions to kind of get you like excited about it. And that's where you'll see things like country time talking about, you know, the, the, the pureness of summer and all of this stuff because they want to get you nostalgic and thinking about it and excited. And then you have your preferences And that's how you end up with a business that doesn't cannibalize itself. (laughs) Why would you have two lemonade flavors? Because two different people are buying them consistently.
0: (laughs) That's honestly insane. You have literally blown my mind because I am also into like branding. I used to work in branding and I knew it from like a, product perspective, but I honestly did not know that lemonade and pink lemonade were the exact same thing. I swear my mind is completely blunt right now. I kind of want to do a blind test just to make my brain
1: realize that because do it. I can't do it do a TikTok <laughs> or something. Cause I mean, it's, it's really funny. It's, you know, people swear, swear by them and there's different things. Like when people swear by like mayonnaise versus like Miracle Whip. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those are two very different products. They have Some similar ingredients, but the flavor profile is completely different. I totally get it. Pepsi versus Coke, actually two different products, two different flavor Mm. profiles. Pink lemonade, lemonade, same stuff. (laughs) I swear, it's exactly the same.
0: (laughs) I'm shocked. I love this. I'm completely shocked. You have blown my mind. I, I I can't. (laughs) That
1: affects on people. What can I say?
0: So, do you think having worked in the food sector actually helped you? like pivot into the beauty brand sector or like totally unrelated?
1: No, I think it's very related. I think there's two pieces to it because I am a firm believer. I had a very strong reverence in working in food because I was a decision maker, because I was a brand manager. I had a really Mm -hmm. strong reference for the consumer because the decisions I made affected what people put in their bodies. And what you put in your body affects your health. It affects your mm-hmm. livelihood. It affects, it affects everything, right? And so for me, that reverence was one that I was very cognizant of making good decisions, not cutting corners that would be harmful to people, things of that nature. And I think that that's very, very relevant in the cosmetics industry. The largest organ in your body is on your body, which your skin. So what you're putting on your skin, including your scalp, which means the stuff you're putting on your hair, you put it on your hair, it gets on your scalp, or at least the back of your neck. Um, But you're letting stuff into your body. Um, And so having that basis of that reverence, I think is really, really key, because there's so many times that it's easy to cut corners. It's easy to say, well, maybe we should just do it this way. Well, we should just like, you know, spin it. And it's like, I really want to do right by consumers because um, I mm-hmm. think that's the only way that we'll become healthier as people, healthier as a planet. That's a whole other conversation. But that was a big thing that I took away. I think in terms of technical knowledge, as a brand manager, you could sell tires, toilet paper, or you know, eyeliner, or macaroni and cheese. If you're a good brand manager, you can do any of those. Because you know, I grew up in Kraft Foods, which is a brand company that does like its full management of the business. So you're like a mini CEO. So, you know, people are like, oh, you're a marketer. And I'm like, maybe 30% of my day was marketing, depending on the business. Oftentimes I'm spending time with our finance people and figuring out how our P&L should work, Um, going to our plants and talking to the people who are manufacturing, whether we're trying to change our product formulations or how we produce them or make them more efficient or get them out to more customers. And there's so many different moving pieces that I think, you know, people are somewhat surprised when they talk to me about my business. I find that there's a lot of people that have advice for me, which God bless them. I mean, people had advice for me when I was working in food. My dad was like, you know what you need to do? You need to make a butter. And I'm like, oh God, dad, I don't even work. the food side. I'm on the beverages side. But everybody has that, right? Which I think is really fun because that means they're engaged with it. They're like, this is really cool. I want to be part of it you know, I get a lot of, I would say unsolicited advice. And it's really interesting because people then are taken aback by how aware I am of how a business works, you know, intimately. And it's because I have that brand background, you know, the types of things that I worked on, it was just, you know, it was one of those things that the businesses were very different. They were produced differently. They went to market differently. They were marketed differently. And so I, you know, I know some obscure stuff (laughs) that surprise comes in handy and I can kind of like, you know, go, okay, so if I were to do it this way, what are the five different things I could break? And I've probably actually seen three or four of them break before in different situations. And so I find that really helpful. Yeah. It's kind of been like a blessing for you. It has. It was a path that I didn't know was leading to something. (laughs) I was like, I'll just do this for the rest of my life. And then I started my own company and I was like, oh. Oh, I learned that for a reason. Okay. (laughs) It always happens
0: like that. It keeps surprising me some things. I'm like, wait, I remember studying this in college, but I never thought I was going to use it. That's interesting. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Totally relate with you. What has been your biggest struggle in launching a a beauty business?
1: I would say unexpectedly, and it's kind of one of the things that pisses me off. Not to say that I'm an angry person, but I get a little – I say, you know, some a few things burn my shorts, but particularly with beauty, the conversation that I have, especially talking about beauty that is inclusive, is that it's a niche idea. It's oh, it's niche. Oh, okay. Well, that's a lifestyle business, which is code for not anything that people should invest in. Let's just be honest. Especially when you're talking to people in the VC sort of industry, they're like, "Oh, it's a lifestyle business. It's not a real venture backable business." And it's like, "All right." do you know how much black women spend on beauty products? We spend nine times that of any other ethnic group in the U S. And by the way, we spent $471 million on shampoo and we don't even like shampoo like that. Uh We spend billions and billions. We're uh, on like, you know, hair care, skincare. I mean, this is something that we, you want to look at the places that we invest our money in. It's like this and shoes. So like, what what do you, what are you expecting? And so that's been a really interesting challenge and it's been a frustration, but I think the core of it for me was getting to a place where I could overcome my frustration with the response because it's like, it's a belief. It just is what it is. And so getting to a place where I became comfortable with that and saying, okay, you know what? Clearly I just, I need to just show you that's, that's what I'll just do. So it was nice talking to you and let's keep it moving. <laughs>
0: you'll come back to me.
1: Don't worry. I'll see you in a couple of months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't invest it now. Okay. That's fine. I'll talk to you in like what? Six months when you
1: come back to me. Cool. Yeah. Let's do this. It's all good. It's all good. And the thing (gasps) is though, I I have to say the big lesson that I'm, I'm learning in all the places where, you know, maybe I thought things would be easier or different or people would be more Mm -hmm. helpful or whatever it might be is that while it would be nice to have things handed, right? It would be nice yeah. to have like, those people volunteering and being like, I got you. Let me just look this up real quick. Um, it also leaves room for me to say, I did it. <laughs> Nobody else did this. You know, it was me and God. We <laughs> when I were, When I couldn't do it, that was all God. And the rest of it was me trying to like work out the middle and no one else can say, oh, I made you. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel like that's a big lesson for anybody who's out there trying to create something or trying to do something that you really believe in. If you find that you're not getting the support that you need, I, my philosophy is, is all the support you need is within you. And at the end of the day, no one can say that they gave you, gave it to you. You, you've, you can create something that is your own, or you can do something that is completely your own. Um, that you can really be proud of and and never have anything, you know, sort of be held against you around that. So
0: I love that. That's a really great belief. I'm going to start adopting it as well. I haven't thought of it that way. You're but you're completely right.
1: It was a necessary lesson.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. I can definitely agree with you on that. So, you're talking about, you know, things that people would want to create a business that they should know. So, specifically for a beauty brand, what a piece of advice would you give to someone that is thinking to create a beauty brand or has an idea and would like to create a beauty brand regardless if it's like shampoo, cosmetics, makeup, whatever it is. What would be your number one tip from your experience?
1: I would say if you're just starting out and you have an idea, before you start going out to people and being like, well, how do I formulate it? Well, how do I package it? And all of that stuff. Those things are wonderful. Those are good things to think about. And they're they're like those first few steps. But I would start with who is this for? And what is it meant to be to them? You almost want to think of two people in your head. The first person is who the brand is for. And the second person is the brand itself. And you start with who the brand is for Because it has to serve her, right? So, like, it's sort of like matchmaking. If you have a a couple single friends and you want to put them together, you first think about, well, like, would this be a good match? You know, does he like going out to concerts? Because she's always at a concert and she really loves music. And you go, okay, so he does like that. But she likes to cook a lot. And he has no palate at all whatsoever. But he'll eat anything. So maybe that'll work, right? And you kind of, like, you iterate. And you go, because ultimately you don't want to introduce her to somebody that's going to be a waste of her time. So you want to like really be clear about who she is. Well, okay, is she like financially responsible? Is she the person that's always taking out a calculator when you guys go to dinner? Who's the kind of guy that's going to want to deal with the girl that has a calculator ready for (laughs) for the dinner tab, Right. And, oh and, and what is she like to do on her weekends? And is she outdoorsy and all of those different things. And then you come back to him and you go, okay, does he fit? And if he doesn't fit, okay, do I know somebody else that does? And so mm-hmm. if you do that iterative process. And even with your consumer, like, don't worry about making it up. Cause making it up is completely, that's exactly it. Like you can't make up a person that doesn't exist in the world. This is why when people read novels like Harry Potter, they they can still look at a person who lives in a complete fantastical world and still relate to them because there's nothing that we can come up in our heads that doesn't exist, particularly when it comes to people. Be yeah. really clear about who she is. Describe her, how she thinks, where she lives, is she young and broke, is she older and and, you know, rolling in it, you know, is she on her fifth divorce and she's like loaded enough to get her own yacht, like whatever it is, make that whole picture. And I actually personally make the picture from somebody I know or different people that I know, and I'll piece them together into a Franken lady. And then I'll go, okay, so what does she need? And then I'll start to design the product around it because otherwise here's what's going to happen. Shiny things will give you headaches and you'll never get to something you're really happy with because if you don't have a clear decision as to who she is and what she wants, you're going to have somebody design a logo and you're going to be like, I got 15 logos, you guys, which ones should I pick? And asking your friends on Facebook is never going to help. I could tell you that right now, unless they're yeah. ugly, unless like the lo- oh, like there's like a clearly ugly logo and a clearly pretty one. You're yeah. going to be like, I still can't pick one. But if you know what she wants, you'll know which logo she wants. And if you know what she wants, you know what package she wants. And if you know what she wants, you'll know what ingredients she wants. And you can brief everybody based off of that the creatives, the R&D people, the, if you have you know hire somebody to formulate, or even if you formulate yourself, you know what ingredients not to get. Like, oh, she's not going to want that in there. No, we can't use that. Oh, it has to all be organic. Oh, it has to all be vegan. All the colors have to be super bright. Don't send me any pastels, like whatever it might be. So that, those are the two things I would focus on.
0: Those are great pieces of advice. And I'm sure people are going to have their notepads writing down because that was bomb advice. (laughs) So you've survived a pandemic in your business. What has that taught you for your business? How to pivot because it's based off of like you're traveling and you're getting these products to travel. Like what have you learned about that through your business? It's surviving a pandemic.
1: Uh, We are still in the process of surviving. I think we all are. (laughs) Um, wear your masks, people, please. I understand. <laughs> I, you know, uh, the rest of the world has has good sense. We're still working it out. Um, but I think it really is. So there was two. There was one major decision that I had to make because mm-hmm. everybody was pivoting, right? So you hear stories of um the bakery that had to shut down and they almost had to fire everyone, but then they realized they could just package up bread making kits and sell those online. Great pivot, right? Um, You know, the nail salon that created their own, like on the go truck where you could stop at the truck and put your hands in like a little plastic barrier and they would do your nails for you while you're standing there on the street. Like, so there's some really cool pivots, but ultimately Mm -hmm. when you're doing a pivot, the core of it that makes it make sense is that you're actually still on your mission. And you're still on your sort of product goal. So if you go from selling finished bread to selling bread kits, you're still essentially selling bread to people. Um, and so for me, it was, where is the line? And I knew the line was travel. I really, I was like, you know, the, the big differentiator for us, because again, it's not it's not crazy hard to get into the beauty industry and start something, Um mm-hmm. It's like, you know, our core really is we are for out of home use and everybody's stuck at home. So am I screwed? Like that was a conversation I had with myself for a few weeks. (laughs) Um, And it really culminated to a a couple things. One was, you know, small pivots, like creating donation products that were basically our products bundled up as gifts for frontline workers. That was very practical. Let's keep the cash flowing. Let let people know who we are, but we're not trying to be like a, you know, the local insurance guy that's like selling masks. It's like why why are you doing that? Oh, because everybody needs one. No, that's a little that's a little slimy, right? Like you know, yeah. Um, and so so doing those things and then launching, we launched a staycation collection, which is like we've got candles that are basically inspired by you know travel locales and giving you an opportunity to kind of you know mentally get away if you can't physically do so. So it really was about iterating the pivot in such a way that it wasn't a full turnaround but it was just something that was an extension that really made sense with our brand and, and what we could do. And I think you know it's good to have those ideas in your back pocket because stuff can you know crap happens. And it happens really quickly and it will be unexpected. And just like you don't want to drive without car insurance, you should have some plan B's in the background of if my factory burned down tomorrow, if my website, if my Instagram gets shut down and I got to start over and I have no fans, like what is this going to look like and how can I potentially try to get around that? So it really taught me the, the true tangible value of plan B.
0: That's a great way to look at it, definitely. And yeah, like you said, there's a fine line. So glad you guys didn't cross it and you still stayed within your genius zone. And I'm sure you're going to continue doing great. So, with that said, what do you see as a travel, the travel, the future of Black Travel Box? What's next for you?
1: Oh my gosh, as I look into my magic eight ball with people wearing masks and trying not to sneeze on each other, I would say I think the vision is still very much the same. I think the timing is what becomes the gray area. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really actually excited for the holidays, we have some new gift packs and things like that, that'll be coming out. And, you know, gifts don't necessarily have to be practical. Like, it, in fact, they're better when they're not. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's like kind of cool when somebody gives you cool, you know, tube socks, but not when it's like a Christmas gift. Uh, And so while you can wrap it, and it is very important to wrap it very nicely, I think giving gifts that uh, have personality, that have care in them, I think we're going to have a really good holiday. And I think coming into next year, presumably when travel really opens back up for the U.S., fingers crossed, knock on wood, God be a vaccine. Uh Things won't be normal. There won't be normal as we we know it, right? Like tons and tons of people are working from home and all kinds of stuff. But I do think there will be a sort of bounce back boom in travel, Um, probably less so from a business travel perspective, but definitely more so from a I've been in my house for eight months and you better not get in my way because I'm I'm about to get on this flight, right? Like. (laughs) From all the weddings that got canceled and all the honeymoons that got delayed.
0: Oh my God, 2021 Um, is going to be wedding and honeymoon central. Like everyone watch out.
1: People being like, oh, all that stuff I I had planned for and I still have credits on my carnival cruise, so let me go run. Um, (sighs) I think it will be good and I'm not in a rush because fundamentally, you know, I started Black Travel Box. I mean, I, I started to create a brand and a company. But the core of it really is wellness, because I really believe in the power of travel as a form of self-care. And if I believe that people should have self-care and I believe that people should be well, then I certainly shouldn't encourage people to do things that won't make them well. And so when it's safe, when we've all gotten our cooties under control, we'll be here. And until then, you know, we hope people still hang around for the ride because we'll have some fun stuff. And you know, frankly, you still hopefully are shampooing your hair at home, so (laughs) go ahead and buy some anyway. You know, you got to look cute for the Zoom dates and Zoom meetings and all of that. Right? Exactly. I mean, I guess they don't. If Zoom comes up with like smellovision, I think we'll we'll start. The day that happens is the death of everyone. People will be like, oh, let me get this uh, rosemary mint shampoo because my hair smells like my cat. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. You're so funny, Orion. I swear. Like, this, it's just great. My last question to you. My favorite one. I always ask this. It's like the way I end it before the fun part. So I'm pretty sure you've had an experience where you feel or you felt like you're probably the only one to live it. Or, you know, experience it. Can you tell us what it was? And what would you tell
1: other people that might
0: be living, thinking, or experiencing the same thing?
1: So there's so something that I feel like I'm the only person that's gone through it? Yeah,
0: like maybe it's a thought, a fear, a situation, something that you're like, oh my god, why?
1: So so I've had a pretty eclectic and interesting life. Um <laughs> And without getting too deep, I would say, you know, I just, I've had a number of people in my life with mental health issues that have affected me very personally. And I think it's one of those, because there is a culture of sort of get rid of toxic people, you know, you can't be in my space if you're not like lifting me up then I can't. And, and and so there's a, there's a bit of a a blame game that happens. And I think it's really very much external where people are like, well, you just, you're just allowing people to be that way. It's like, yeah, but if they were diabetic, you wouldn't say I'm allowing them to be diabetic. It's a physical element that, that expresses itself behaviorally. And so for me, I've had those moments where I'm like, nobody else can be going through this, right? Nobody can be this alone. Nobody can be this um, hurt by life? Or why don't I have X key person that I expected to have at these milestones in my life there? And what the thing that I realized is, we all have that thought, and we're all wrong. We're all completely wrong. There is no thing that we have gone through today, or yesterday, that someone else hasn't gone through or a 1000 someone's haven't gone through. It's humorous to think that like you're so I don't want to say so special that the world hates you, that God hates you, that there is like this rain cloud over your life because there are so many worse things that could be happening. There are definitely better things, but there's so many worse things that could be happening. And whatever your thing is that you're like, I'm the only one, I guarantee you there is someone else. And the best thing that you can do is find your strength go through it and then let someone else know that they'll be okay because they probably think they're the only one too.
0: That is beautiful. I definitely agree with you on that. It's always good to like not give back just for the sake of giving back, but just putting yourself in the position like you're saying. When I was in that place, I would have loved somebody come and tell me like, you're going to be fine. Staying in that lane and being like, oh, I can maybe help someone or if not, at least someone out there will listen or someone out there will see it and hopefully it'll make a change. So I definitely agree with you. Always love asking a question. I always get diverse answers. Never have I gotten the same one. And it's really interesting to see everybody's perspective on the question. So it's like the most fun one I always have.
1: Definitely, definitely. (laughs) With
0: that being said, now we're going into the rapid fire questions that are the more fun part of the interview so that we can
1: end the podcast. Okay. Are you ready for this? I am. I, I should have made myself like a, a martini or something, but I'm it's early <laughs> here, so I'm not gonna do that. Well, but They're please. easy
0: ones, don't worry. Don't I'll worry. I'll a
1: martini. Easy. Okay, I'm ready for it.
0: <laughs> okay, number one. What person, dead or alive, would you like to have dinner with?
1: Ooh, Michelle Obama. Oh, I would love to have run
0: with her as well. She seems so powerful and like feisty and well, so
1: funny she wrote her books and everything. And I think, you know, you get these informal mentors in life. If you actually take the time, like read their books and read their memoirs and, and listen to their interviews and stuff. But then I just want to be like, so when was the time that you really wanted to choke former president Barack Obama? And <laughs> how did you find the inner strength not to kill him? And like, you know, there's just stuff. And then she's also from Chicago. I'm from Chicago. So there's just yeah. questions about just life from her point of view that I would love to ask that are just so, I don't know, surgically pointed. <laughs> They're so very specific that I just think it would be a really amazing conversation. And um, and she has a lot of wisdom and encouragement. And there's something about her that it just seems like yeah. when she comes in a room the atmosphere changes. So so you need to have those types of encounters, you know, as much as you can in life.
0: Yeah. Michelle, if you're listening, um, there are two people here that would love to hang out with you. So, you know, just like, hit us <laughs> up. we're here. <laughs> hey, Shelly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, number two. Uh-huh. Would you rather travel the world for a year on a shoestring budget Or stay in only one country for a year, but live in complete luxury.
1: Oh, luxury. I'm bougie as hell. Like, let's not even. (laughs) I'm not even going to pretend. I remember, so I grew up in, you know, like, sort of in a cultural space that, like, people didn't couldn't afford, you know, passports and weren't traveling to a bunch of different countries. And so after college, after I had been exposed to all these people, and I had friends that were from different countries and all of this stuff, I didn't even realize until, like, probably my senior year of college, there was such a thing as backpacking through Europe. I was like, what do you mean? So you have a backpack on and then you just walk? I did not know what it was. Um, (laughs) And then they would tell me and they're like, you can stay at hostels and they're super cheap and you just have bunk beds. And I was like, wait, you stay at a place called hostile? Like I'm not, why, why? So I realized very early, even before I had my passport, I was like, oh, I never want to go someplace that cheap. Like, (laughs) I just don't. That's not my style. Give me give me baths and Park Avenue, all that. Good stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, money, money is the root of, of all evil. It's just the love of it. I, I love the things that it gets me not necessarily what it is. So
0: <laughs> I completely agree with you. See, we're kind of like kindred spirits.
1: Oh, definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, here's the thing. The best food, whether it's Tons of street food, like you know, eating eating street food until you puke, and not because it's yeah. bad because you've eaten too much. Um, or going to like Michelin star restaurants, that takes cash. Like you can yeah. eat cheaply, but if you're gonna like go human vacuum your way through like, I don't know, Thailand, you're still gonna need enough money to do it. <laughs>
0: I agree with you on that. On that note, travel or stay at home?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. I love traveling. But there is definitely a time to come home and be in my own bed. There's definitely a time to be at home. Um, Right now, I love to travel.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's valid. I'll take that response.
1: Yeah, magazine or books. Ooh, um, magazines. Short, sweet, visual.
0: Mountains or beach?
1: Beach, or if you're in Croatia, you can lay on the beach and look up at the mountains. I love that. (laughs)
0: Looking at the ways to trick the situation. I like that. Okay. Full face of makeup or barely any makeup?
1: Ooh. Barely any makeup with the right routine.
0: (laughs) Okay. That works. Spicy or sweet?
1: Ooh, spicy. Definitely spicy.
0: Love that. And last one. Would you rather wake up early or sleep out if you have the chance?
1: I am not a morning person, so I would probably sleep in and just kind of, yeah. I'm a night owl. So like I, I start to get my second wind, it'll be like 1130 at night. I'm like, crap, I missed my pants. I'm gonna be up for a while now. Um, so yeah, not really a morning person.
0: Okay, okay. I agree with you on that. Same for me. I also stay up really late. And I have not been able to sleep until like 2am in the morning in this whole pandemic. So oh, thanks, Corona. Yeah,
1: take a hot bath. Hot baths really do help me. I go for a full on hot bath with Epsom salt or like, um, you know, I was going to say flavored salt, scented salts and just like soak like you're going to a spa and, you know, get nice and hot, change your sheets before you do it so that like your bed is nice and cool and has fresh sheets in it. And then I also use the Calm app, um, which does like deep sleep meditation stuff. And I don't even know what the lady's saying. I'm usually out within five minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. Now you know the best tip to go to bed is hot shower, nice clean sheets, and then just meditate till you fall asleep.
1: Yes, definitely. <laughs> Take care of yourself. This is a rough Love that. for everybody. <laughs>
0: Love that. Well, Ryan, thank you so, so, so much for chatting with me today. Honestly, you are just a gem. You're so funny. I don't even know if you know you're really funny, but like the (laughs) things you say and the way you say them, I'm just like, I really want to be your friend. So if if, if you're ever in Paris, please hit me up. I will go out with you to eat for a drink, to walk around, like whatever it is. Feel free, please.
1: I love that. I'm totally taking you up on it. It's done.
0: <laughs> I'll wait for you next year. Cause this year it's a bit complicated, but yeah, like, I'll...
1: I'm gonna wait. wait. I want to be able to have baguettes without having to like move a mask out of the way. Cause I will eat all the bread and all the butter. That's just how it's going down.
0: Well, perfect. I'll be waiting for you next year here and then we'll take pictures and we'll show everybody. I love it. And as always, you will find the links and information to follow both me and black travel box, where to buy, how to shop, and all of that in the episode description So please let me know what you think. Please give me some feedback. Leave a little bit of a review. Send this to someone that you would like to listen. You know, whatever it is, share. That's how we grow. That's how we get more amazing people like Orion here as a guest. So I will see you guys next week. And peace out, everybody. Thanks again, Orion. Thanks so much for having me.